Is it? Is it on? Is that on? Grace, it's red though. That's Jesus' blood. Okay, that's good. All right, good deal. Um, I've uh, want Garrett to share a testimony of something that the Lord has done just a couple weeks ago. Was it? A couple days ago. Just the stuff that the Lord's been doing. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Cliff asked me to share a testimony real quick, just of, I guess, just how awesome the Lord is, you know. And so last week I was just, uh, just came in after like a long night of just prayer and worship and just, I was in my room, it was like 1230 in the morning. And in our dorms, that's like 30 minutes before the, uh, I guess before the dorms close off and all the people have to clear out of the lobby. And uh, I was just praying, I was like, Lord, I just really want a word of knowledge right now just for somebody downstairs. So I just really want to pray for somebody really bad. And so he was like, go down there, and there's going to be somebody with a really bad leg, something that's wrong. And so I went down there, and I saw a bunch of people that were just hopping around, jumping around, and just having a fun time. So I was like, man, none of these people have bad legs. This is bad. I was like, no, the devil. But uh, so, like, uh, there's, like, this couch, and it's always, like, pointed to the back, so I couldn't see over it. So I, I, like, go to the other side, and there's this dude in my hall who doesn't know the Lord just, like, laying down, just completely, like, just wrecked because his leg is bad. So I was like, whoa, thanks, Lord. It was really kind of a crazy thing because you wouldn't know that his leg was bad other than the fact that he was laying down. And so it was kind of one of those moments where the Holy Spirit spoke before my mind could. And I didn't even say, hey, I didn't even say what's up or anything like that. I was just like, dude, are you in pain? And he was just like, yeah. Like, how did you know that? And I was like, man, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I got to pray for you right now. Like, I feel like the Lord's just going to release healing. It just, can I please pray for you? He was like, yeah. He's like, my right knee really hurts. And I was like, do you know what's wrong? Because, you know, sometimes I like to have kind of like a little bit more of a guide for what to pray for him. He was like, no, dude, the problem is I don't have enough money to even go to the doctor. So he couldn't even go to the doctor to figure out what's wrong. Just his knee hurt really bad. So I was like, all right, can I put my hand on your knee? He was like, yeah. And even that was painful for him. So put my hand on his knee, just started releasing healing. I didn't even pray probably like 30 seconds, maybe a minute. And I got done and I was like, hey, man, feel any better? Do you feel anything? Do we need to keep praying? He's like, yeah, actually, as you were praying, something in my knee just, like, shifted downwards. And now he's, like, it just feels 100% better. Wow. And he just, like, stood up and was just, like, walking around. And he was, like, dude, this is so good. And he was, like, starting to have some tears come to his eyes and stuff like that. It was just incredible how awesome the Lord was. And it was really cool because I didn't know about the doctor thing until a couple of days after. His girlfriend told me that. But I think the icing on the cake of the whole story, which was just really encouraging to me, was I'm really trying to invest in my guys in my hall because I'm the RA and, uh, he was like one of the ones who he'd always come in from parties and different things like that. And he was always just kind of being the troublemaker, I guess. But, I mean, I just loved him because I thought he was awesome. And the next day I was walking through the CAF, which is like our university's like place to eat. And he was just sitting at a table by himself reading his Bible. And I just come knew on. sitting in the chair across from him was the Holy Ghost. So I was come just on. like, it was just so good. The Lord's just, man, so good. <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord. That's always a good news, good story right there. Praise the Lord. Testimony. All right. I'm going to pray before I start. Um, all right. Father, I just, God, I just thank you. Um, Father, we just thank you just for the opportunity just to be here, God, and to gather just, just in your presence, God, and and in your word, God, and we're just so thankful, Father, for what you've done for us, God. 
We're so thankful for the cross, God. We're so thankful for everything, God. How you revealed your son to us, God. And how you revealed your nature to us, God. And, and how you're using us and how you're calling us into greater realms, Father. Holy Spirit, we just say that you're our everything, God. We can't do anything without you. We rely on you completely, God. Without you, we're broken, God. We're sinful, God. We love you, God. And we just, I just ask that you would just help us and that you would just anoint, you know, the stuff that comes out of my mouth, God. We love you, Father. Amen. 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 <clears throat> it stops because I was starting to feel the Lord that time, so I've got to make sure I get this done here. Um, uh, okay. Worship was really good. I was really starting to feel that towards the end. Thank you, Glenji. I was anointed. All right. Um, we are talking, we are on the subject of talking about the gospel of the kingdom of God, um, which is an amazing subject, certainly one that being from this church and especially most of my spiritual development coming from this church um, has been something that's really been preached here and is really just a part of my DNA. Um, you see on the banners there, the fifth one, if we're going left to right, is the gospel of the kingdom, um, which is, the, which is the, the full good news of the stuff that Jesus preached. Um, and see, when Jesus walked the earth, um, his main message was the gospel of the kingdom. Um, it was that the kingdom realm, the, the realm in which God dwells, um, the realm of heaven where there's, there's no sickness, there's no sin, there's no pain, None of that stuff um, is breaking into the present realm, and it's breaking in through encounters with God and through the faith and the obedience of his people. And um, everything in Jesus' life was focused upon getting, he first proclaimed the kingdom while he was here, and then his whole entire life was actually a sacrifice given so that regular man, regular sinful man, could actually enter into the kingdom of God. What happened on the cross and ultimately what happened on the resurrection was the atonement which took the sin of mankind away from him by believing in God and believing in the work that Jesus did which enabled man to have a relationship with God. And the key to the kingdom of heaven which is, you know, wherever there's wherever the kingdom is, there's no sin, there's no sickness. It's pretty much just the the rule and the realm and the divine order of God. The key to the kingdom of God was only actually accessible through the sacrifice of the cross because the kingdom is only released through relationship with God. Um, somewhere in the Gospels, Jesus said this statement where if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, it's because it shows that the kingdom has come upon you. And Jesus reveals that everything in the kingdom is only accessible through a relationship with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is only accessible through the blood. Because if it came down to us and came down to our works and all the good stuff that we do, it would just, we would have no chance because every single day I've got issues. Let's just be honest, and everyone here does. So the kingdom of God is only accessible through the blood, and it's only released through a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, and one thing, um, when they talked, um, about how our subject would be the gospel of the kingdom, um, which is, is such a broad topic because it just involves God's rule and reign coming into to the earthly realm. 
Um, it involves sick. It involves overcoming sickness. It involves overcoming sin. It involves overcoming depression and demonic oppression and just disorder in families and just all sorts of different realms of God's order coming in. The one thing that the Lord has really been focusing on to me recently in my life has been the kingdom of God overcoming poverty and the kingdom of God overcoming needs that can't that can't be met that are people are in need. Um, so, um, because the kingdom is something that is released through partnership, and it's released through relationship with God, and it's released through, you know, just coexist not coexist, um, a partnership of a, of a fellowship with the Holy Spirit, um, so then is um, feeding the poor um, and, and, and providing for people. Um, and so, in order to... to um, have a co-relationship with God about trying to, to break off poverty off of the people around you's life, um, you have to have a value for the resource of money. Um, and uh, personally, in my life, um, my journey, my theological journey has been this. When At age seven, I got saved, and I really gave my heart to God. I, I prayed the sinner's prayer. I got baptized, and... Um, I was raised in a Christian home, and, and I had a really on-fire mom who um, would come, and my little brother would bear witness to this. She'd come into our room every night, and we memorized Scripture, gosh, ever since I could remember. I mean, it's just what we did every night was we memorized Scripture. And, um, and we would just pray, and, like, that was every night. And, um, and so from age 7 until, like, high school, I was really on fire for God. And then... Uh, high school, I started to sort of fall away from the Lord. Sort of started to, you know, it was. It started off with fear of what people thought of me for being a Christian, and then it sort of changed from, well, maybe like the world has something to offer. And I started, you know, to do the worldly thing until my freshman year of college, and then my freshman year of college, I completely broke before God because all those scriptures that the Holy Spirit uh, through memorization had just implanted onto my heart and my mind just kept haunting me. I couldn't get away from it. It was a Holy Spirit haunting. It's a, it's a really good thing. Um, and um, so um, when I fully broke before God again at age 19, one of the things that was really um, on my heart was that I wanted to do everything that the Word of God told me to. Like I wanted to have no compromise I wanted to have absolutely nothing at all that kept me between him, and I wanted to have absolutely nothing at all that, that kept me from him. So because of that, um, I would read in the Gospels when it talked about money. And in the Gospels when it talks about money, it is so intense. Not only is it intense, but it's like an incredible amount. Like I, I was reading through the Gospel of Luke this, uh, this week to sort of prepare for this message, and this is a conservative estimate, but there are at least 37 verses that Jesus says that are in the red, 37 verses straight from Jesus that are about money. And most of those verses are incredibly intense. I mean, the verses range from all over the place, range from paying your taxes, ranges from, um, you know, giving, and ranges from not serving a spirit of mammon, but serving God, and not letting money run your life and make your decisions, and just ranges from all over the place. And so because there was such an incredible just intensity and just like cut and dry, greed is bad sort of thing 
at age 19, I said, I'm giving everything away. So that's what I did. I just, I had a little bit in my bank account, gave it all away, had a computer, gave it. I was just like, I don't want my possessions to take, I don't want them to control me. I don't want any of that. So I just gave it away. And, and for, for a period of time, I viewed money not as an evil thing, but I viewed it as something that was a temptation. And that if you were spiritual, you probably shouldn't pursue it. Um, and so I st- camped in that ground probably for about a year, year and a half. And then I really started to go deeper into the Word and to, to the, you know, the, what, what God in His heart said for the, for the poor and for the building of the kingdom. And one of the revelations that I got was that, I know this is deep, but it actually takes money to feed the poor. Like, I know that's, like, that's, that's deep. I know, it's, it's like, that came from years of fasting, let me tell you. <laughs> Just kidding. But uh, it actually takes money to feed the poor, and actually it takes money to, to do the kingdom work, to, to build the kingdom. Like, um, four books that I've really been meditating on, if, if you want to go deeper into understanding money as a kingdom thing, is, is um, um, Haggai, Zechariah, Nehemiah, and Ezra. And they are so good books for understanding the building of the kingdom and actually how it takes trusting God in order to rebuild the kingdom and to do kingdom business because Babylon, the, Jerusalem had just gotten out of Babylonian captivity and in order to rebuild the walls and to restart the work of the temple, it required an incredible amount of work and it required an incredible amount of money. And in Haggai chapter 2 and in Zechariah chapter 4, two of my favorite chapters in the Bible right now, Haggai chapter 2 says, Silver and gold is mine, says the Lord. And Zechariah chapter 4 is all about money. Not by might, not by spirit, but by my power and by my grace, says the Lord. It will happen. And so that's just, it was a promise given to the rebuilding of the temple and the funds coming in a supernatural way to provide for the temple. So... My, my perspective on money has begun to shift from something that is like this temptation that's not necessarily evil to something that is becoming actually a resource that can be used by God to perform the, the aspects and to perform the work of His heart and to perform the work of the kingdom. Um, and, you know, there's a guy named Lance Wallenauf. Any of you guys have ever heard of him? If you haven't, you should look him up because he's really good. Um, he talks about how he believes that there will be a company of believers that re, um, that take the business mountain and are able to make an incredible amount of wealth for the kingdom of God and can pour that into the poor and can pour that into world missions. And he believes that through the, the wealth that comes through the people that are, have the divine gift to make money, that God's going to use them to actually... Uh, get behind the people that are leading the missions movement and get behind the churches and get behind everyone so that the kingdom can prosper and grow in a greater well in a greater way <clears throat> now obviously money can't save a person only the grace and the blood of Jesus can do that obviously money can't heal a person that's only by the spirit of God and obviously money can't deliver a person but money can feed someone who doesn't have food and money can build the church. Money can, can help fund uh, one of the stadium outreaches where 50,000, 100,000 people can get saved. So it's, it's, a, it's a kingdom resource, and if we begin to view it as such, then we'll begin to pursue it at least to some degree in our lives. Not everyone's called to you know, become this great you know, businessman or whatever, but some of us are. So 
um, it's something that I really just feel um, is a calling for some people in the church. Um, so, if some people are called to give their life to the pursuit of money so that they can finance kingdom, um, kingdom things and finance God's heart, one a passage of scripture, and this is the main passage that we're looking at today, that you really need to understand is Luke chapter 12, verse 15 through 21. So let's all turn there. Luke chapter 12, verse 15 through 21. Luke chapter 12 and Luke chapter 6 may be some of the most intense chapters in the whole entire Bible, in my opinion. It's intense, but I'll just read it. It says, um, Then Jesus said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive, and he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Since I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have repaired? So is the man who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Now you can see why I was afraid of money. <laughs> um, I really believe that God is calling um, a whole company of people, um, especially if you were Americans, especially if we're from a place as Adam prayed, where we're so abundantly prosperous in this country. Making money in this country is actually not very difficult. It just takes a little bit of hard work. Really, I mean, we, anyone in this country, if you do the right stuff, you do the right stuff, and, you know, the Lord blesses you, you can make abundantly way more than you need. It's possible if you, if you do it the right way. Um, and I think that in order to not be seduced in this country by greed and by the amassing of, of wealth for yourself and not for the purposes of God's heart, not for the purposes of kingdom, that we need to really understand verse 15. And in it, Jesus, Jesus really gives a revelation um, that I believe can really help anchor us. And he says that not even when one has an abundance, not even when one has so much stuff that you can't even hold it in your house when you're, you know, wiping with $100 bills and you got four jets and you got the Rolex and you got the rims, the 24s, rolling in the whatever. Um, not even when you have that... That, yeah, not even when that's overflowing in your dough. Um, okay, I'll stop. Uh, <laughs> I actually watched a sermon of S.M. Lockridge this morning. <laughs> if you guys ever heard of him, he's gangster in a holy way. We sh- you guys need to check him out. He's, he's my king. Uh, uh, okay, but um, not even when you have everything as far as money in the world does your life actually consist of what you own i mean the revelation of the word of god is that the real substance of life luke 4 is that man does not live by bread alone but he lives by every word which proceeds from the mouth of god 
that, that life, the way, I, the way I like to see it, is that it's like an atom. It's like you've got the nucleus, which is the protons and the neutrons, and that's the substance of knowing God. So you've got this whole entire thing where it's like I live because I, I know God and He speaks to me and He reveals His face to me and I see Him do great things and, and I have an experience with His presence and He has a life-giving spirit and He's the God who causes my heart to come alive and He gives me hope and destiny. And, and, and you have that, which is the nucleus of a man's heart, which is what really makes him tick. And then you have the electrons, which is the relationships that He gives you in your life that revolve around your relationship with God because your relationship with God actually dictates those relationships. I love my wife. I honor my brothers. I do all these things. And because the neutron and the protons pull at the electrons, it keeps it in a righteous balance that causes you to come into the fullness of life. And if you can understand that the real substance of life, which is knowing God and having a close, intimate relationship with the people that He's given me in my life, that that is it. If we can come to that revelation, then we're not going to worry about, you know, the, the gold grills and the, you know, all that stuff. Because we have become anchored in that really it's about God and it's about the people that He gives us. Um, so let's go to verse 16. It says, And He told them a parable, saying, The land of the rich man was very productive. Now, in order to really understand this, I believe that we have to understand Hebrew culture. And we have to really understand the Old Testament. Um, the, the, the testimony of the Old Testament, of specific passages in Genesis chapter 26, you can write it down for future reference if you want. I'll just go ahead and read it. Verse 12, um, talking about Isaac, it says, Now Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and continued to go richer until he became very wealthy. So what's the point? The point is, is that that passage and also other, many other passages all throughout the Old Testament and even in the Old Testament revealed that when you become wealthy and when, God, when you begin to get more money, it's a sign of the blessing of God on your life. It's God visiting Isaac and causing his crops to prosper and causing his crops to grow. And then he became a very rich man. It's, it's actually the hand of God on someone's life. But the, the twist that Jesus puts on it that the flesh doesn't like is that God has a serious opinion about what you do with your blessing. <laughs> um, so, and, and see, like, what, what I feel like, and this is something that I went through, and, you know, you may have gone through it as well, which is that, because God has such a serious opinion about what we do with the blessing, about how He blesses us financially, about how He even blesses us spiritually, that the fear is, is that we don't pursue the blessing, that we don't pursue the wealth, that we don't pursue the ability to heal the sick, that we don't pursue the ability to reach the lost, because the fear is, is that I know God really cares about what I do with what He gives me, so that there, there's a chance that I might blow it, I might become greedy. And... See, I, I believe that that's actually, that's a false humility, and I believe that that's rooted in fear, and it's rooted in just, that, in just, you know, being afraid of blessing. But, um, let's see here. Um, yeah, for example, um, I've got a hero, personal hero of mine. His name is Mike Bickle. Um, who here has ever heard of Mike Bickle? Half of you? Half of you? Um, he's a leader of a, of a, Thing called the International House of Prayer. 
um, which is a 24-7 prayer and worship movement that's going all over the earth and is helping to bring in the, the great harvest and is helping to strengthen the church all over the world. It's a really great ministry. You should look into it, especially if you love prayer and worship. Um, but he is actually, according to the money that he makes, is a millionaire. And he makes over a million dollars a year. And because he has books, and he's, he's got tons of books, and they sell money, and he goes to conferences, and they, they make all sorts of money. But he has decided from the early get-go that he will give all of his money away. All of it. He is actually... Now, this is, he has a little bit of a unique lifestyle, but he is a millionaire. He gives all of his million dollars away, and he lives off of support. <laughs> he, um, he's an intercessory missionary, so it's a little bit different than, you know, what, what I think that the normal man is called to do. But um, he actually lives in such a way where he is calling um, tons of 15, or 18 to 30-year-olds to, um, to give themselves to a lifestyle of prayer and fasting and worship, and that they are so given to that lifestyle that it's actually very difficult for them to have a full-time job or even a part-time job. You have to spend 50 hours a week in the service of the, of the temple and the service of the house of prayer. So the people that are there have to actually write letters to their friends and to their family in America and ask them for money. It's a very humiliating thing to do. So he said that when he started this thing that he decided that I will not lead people and have them do something that I'm not willing to do myself. So he said, even though I'm a millionaire, and I could have all this money for myself, and I can do all this stuff myself, but I'm going to give all this money away and live off of support. That's pretty admirable, just to be honest. Um, I don't know if we're all called to live off support, but it's, 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 it's noteworthy. Um, okay, so let's, let's read on a little bit more um, in Luke. Um, verse 22. Um, the reason why I'm reading verse 22 is because there's a statement that says, for this reason. Um, so if you ever see like a for this reason or a therefore, it means that whatever was just said, you know, the, the verse earlier is now being explained by this verse, which I know is also really deep. But there you go. Okay, so I'll just read verse 22. Uh, it says, for this reason, I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you to the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you cannot even do a little, even if then you cannot do a very little thing, that is my cell phone. Why do you worry about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. Um, they, neither, they neither toil nor spin, but I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace. How much more will he clothe you, you men of little faith? And do not seek what you will eat and do not, or what you will drink. Do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom. Or seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. What's the point? The point is, is that what the man did in the parable where he decided, I'm going to, God blesses me, so what am I going to do? I'm going to build this big old storehouse. 
I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to build two barns and I'm going to put all this crop and I'm going to sell this crop for the rest of my life and I'll be made and I won't ever have to work again. What what's the point? Why did he decide to do that? The reason why he decided to do that is because he actually didn't have a revelation of God the provider in his life. See, he he was living from a fear a spirit of fear and so any attempt that he got or any anything that he got just of prosperity or provision he gripped and he took it all to himself and he said give me this and he hoarded it away and he hid it from anyone who could ever touch it what i believe the man should have done is he should have taken what he needed and given i don't know half of it to the poor and then half of it just given to the temple and then the work of god could have furthered and the poor would have been blessed and god probably would have blessed him double the next year if you, or maybe not, but it's just, the, it's just the principle that you live by faith and you, whatever you get for an abundance, you just give away. Um, this is really something that, that I've really been um, pursuing in my own life and, and really just been going after in my life. Um, last, last year, it wasn't looking at the end of the semester. Um, I was going into a new semester, and I had some some certain needs that I really needed to be met. Um, I just honestly, me and my wife needed about mm, probably six thousand dollars or so in order to get pay all of our rent, to to pay both of our school tuitions, and to eat and to actually survive and not get kicked out of our apartment. And the work that I was getting was probably the equivalent of about four thousand dollars. So, if you equated it all out, because we did all the math. And so, um, I was really stressing out. Like, I was stressing, like, it was bad. Um, and so, um, and while I was at IHOP, I actually, um, in the conference, or the One Thing conference, I really felt like the Lord promised me that He was going to give me $8,000 in the next semester. Um, so, so um, I was just praying, and I was declaring His promise over my life, and and you know the wasn't budging, you know, and um, and uh, one day during um, home group, um, the the glory of the Lord, the presence of God, really just started to to really just become um, manifested to my conscience, and and I just began to really just commune with the Holy Spirit, and during that time, I just really felt that the power of the Lord was present to meet any need that I had. So in that moment, um, in between worship songs, I. I just sort of was a little bit weird, but I just sort of said, God's going to pay my rent. <laughs> and, um, and like I just said, God's going to do this. And I just declared it and I shouted as loud as I could. And, um, and um, a person in the home group, he's actually here. Well, it's, you know, um, he, did, he said to me, he got a prophetic word. He said, um, tomorrow, I believe, or did I don't know if he said tomorrow, but he said, um, I don't remember. He said, someone's going to come up to you, and they're going to give you a job. And, and I said, okay. And he says, you're not even going to ask them for it. You're going to get a job, and they're going to give you a job. And okay, and that's what, that was a prophetic word. And I was like, okay, well, that's encouraging. That's a good word. And so the very next day, um, as I was teaching, um, my boss came to me. And she offered me another class, which was the equivalent of $2,000. And so I was able to pay my rent. Then, the next day, one of, someone who's really close to me called me, and he said, yeah, I want to I wanna give $100 from each of my paychecks to you. 
felt like the Lord told me to take $100 out of every single paycheck and give it to you. And, and, so, and so, like, I was like, oh, my goodness, God, this is amazing. Like, did this really just happen? Like, did it, is it that easy? Like, did I just declare something and then it just came to pass? And the Lord began to reveal to me that He is my provider and that I don't serve a spirit of mammon, but I really can trust the Father in heaven to really provide for me. And so then about two weeks after that, um, I, I met one of my friends in, um, in a grocery store, and he was, he was really doing bad. He'd actually just had knee surgery, and he was, like, limping really bad. And because of his knee surgery, he was unable to, like, he was unable to work. And so because he was unable to work, um, he was really far behind on some payments and stuff. And so he was just really struggling financially. He was really down. And um, that night, actually, we had a prayer meeting. And so we just, I just really just bore my heart before God on this man's behalf. And I was just really just moved by the heart of God for his situation. And the very next day, uh, the government, um, because of our green card, they said, yeah, you sent to us a couple checks that we don't need. And that very day, I was given $300 that I didn't need. And I was, wow. And so that very, so I was like, is it really this easy? I pray for someone, and then you give me money to give to them? Is it really that easy? Like, is that, is that how it works? And so um, the, the, the day after that, I went to his house, and I told him, you know, I, I prayed for his knee, and, you know, and we just totally just blessed him and gave him the money and just told him, you know, God told us to give this to you, and we just really believe that this isn't, you know, you're going to be able to work again. And I was just really able to just fully just manifest that not only had God provided for me, but that now God was providing for others through me. And, and what happens in, in Luke chapter 12 with this man who got blessed is that God was giving him an opportunity to be that man, to be the person where it's like, God has just put you on like a glove and now you're giving, you're giving his resources to other people and you're providing for their needs. I mean, I love the, I love the passage in Acts chapter 4, um, verse 34. I'll just read it. Um, talked about the way the early church worked. It said, um, For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they were distributed to each as they had need. It's just amazing because such one aspect of the kingdom of God really is, is because God has met my needs and then he's given me an abundance, I get the, the joy, the pleasure of being able to give something that he gave to me to steward for a period of time so that I could be his hand of provision for another. And you know, it's not as spiritual as like laying your hands on the sick and seeing them healed, but to the person who got the $300, he was really happy. <laughs> and just to see God do that and just to be a part of that is such a blessing. And, and so I really just want to, I just really want to just inspire us and just call us to just a new perspective of, of what's possible with our lives. Like, we don't have to just live in this place where every time we get anything, we hoard it away for ourselves and we buy, a, you know, the, the rims or whatever, whatever. I mean, we can, we, can, uh, we can be a partner with God in providing for the needs of people. And if we really have this anointing, if this is really our calling, we can be someone who's able to write $500,000, bam, on the spot, give it to the kingdom. 
I mean, that would be such an amazing thing to be able to do, to be able to get to that place of faithfulness, of stewarding God's resources of money and being able to provide for people like that. Um, so, so that's the word that um, I really felt I was supposed to share tonight. Um, ministry time. Okay, um, for ministry time, if there's anyone who has need, um, it does. You don't have to specifically say what it is, but um, if you have need, um, I would love for you guys to come forward. And if, if uh, and Adam, and also if I could get Travis um, to come up and be on the ministry team. And so, if you have any need at all, or even if a friend of yours has a need and you just want to pray with someone about it, just come up and receive some prayer. So.